This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, I'm Andre Yeo, Deputy News Editor for The Straits Times. And I'm Jessie Lim, a journalist with The Straits Times. You're listening to the third episode in a new podcast series by The Straits Times called Stop Scams. Since 2016, victims have lost about $1 billion to scams. In this episode, we are speaking with Dr. Annabelle Chow and Ms. Lauren Yeo, counsellors who have helped scam victims overcome the psychological impact of scams. Hi, I'm Annabelle. I'm the clinical psychologist at Annabelle Psychology and Annabelle Kids. Um, in my everyday work, I see adolescents, adults and the elderly, and I work a lot with people who experience trauma in their life, particularly childhood trauma, and present with significant difficulties in relationships. So, um, Miss Lauren Yeo, tell us more about yourself. Uh, I'm the Principal Counselor and Lead Parenting Coach from Restart Counseling for Wellness. Uh, for me, I specialize in working with children, teenagers, as well as parents. Also joining us today is JC. He is speaking to us anonymously about his experience as a scam victim, so listeners can be more aware of scam tactics. JC is a graphic design student waiting to serve national service and he lost $2,100 in a love and gaming scam in March last year. Hello JC, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Perhaps you can tell us, how did you get caught up in this scam? I was on the dating app and I came across this woman, which I find her quite appealing. And we talked a while on the app, then we move on to WeChat. Then during our conversation, she was literally flirting with me a lot. And uh, as a guy, I, I love this kind of flirting style. Uh, so, <laughs> play along. Uh. Yeah. Then afterwards, like I think she was just trying to make me feel safe and comfortable before moving on to getting what she want from me. Uh. Yeah. So, I think a few hours into our chatting, she sort of asked me to play a game with her. I mean, it's a game. Uh, what could go wrong? What kind of game was this? It's like a romantic fantasy kind of game. Because the thing is that I don't really play games with friends often, so it's like I, I don't mind playing with a stranger. And afterwards, like she sort of like teased me with like some reward. Uh, if I play the game with her, I was quite tempered with the reward, so I just play along. Uh. she just keep pushing me to play, and like she asked me to level up real fast. Uh. And after reaching to a certain level, she asked me to like uh make a purchase of like a wedding ceremony to marry her in game. Uh, which I find a bit weird. Like, why do you need to pay? to get married in the game start off with but to me I thought it was just a one time off so I just went with it uh, afterwards like she told me that she will meet me the next day sorry how much did you pay for this uh, virtual wedding maybe like 90 bucks or 100 bucks yeah so she she sort of agreed to meet me at Farrell Park MRT at around 7.30 on a Friday night and when I reached Farrell Park MRT that day uh, she didn't turn up which was quite a surprise for me yeah uh. She didn't even appear. Then I was like, asking her, like, where is she? Then she was like saying, oh, you need to give me some roses to show that you love me that kind of in-game. I was like, I'm already here. Uh, my sister just finished it, right? <laughs> then I proceed to send her the roses that she had requested. Then apparently, right, the transaction of the roses did not succeed. Then she was like, good tripping me saying that, oh, are you trying to hide something from me, is it? Or like, why are you doing something bad to me that kind? How much do you pay for the roses? At first, I paid like 200 bucks or something. At the expense of like she promising me that she will pay me back the money. And because of that pay me back the money thingy, right? I was like, okay, fine. Since I got guarantee, I might as well listen to what she's asked me to do. 
then just me try the transaction again. But then the second transaction also failed. And I was like, okay, I think something is off a bit. And to me, it's like, it could be probably I'm quite blurred. Never really said it properly. So on the third attempt, I sort of made sure I look at the roses and I screenshot it and I sent to her. And on the third attempt, she still say, oh, sorry, I did not receive it. And now I'm like, at that point of time, I already lost like 600, 800 bucks. And she was like, okay, you just borrow your friends lah. I mean, just, just for this one time off, I'm like, I, I don't do that, yeah. She just keep putting pressure on me, keep tripping me. And I just think to myself, okay, fine, fine. Just, just for your sake, okay, I go and borrow one time. When I borrow and the transaction failed, I just, so I tell her, okay, uh, I'm actually kind of done with your uh, game already. I think I'm going back home. At that point in time, it's already like 10 p.m. The moment I took on my ground and I just went back home, right? She was like, oh, let me come and I'll fetch you now. I said, I'm already home already. What do you want? <laughs> then she like, so you treat me again by saying, you know, I wanted to spend the night with you. That kind of, I prepped the house for you, you know. And I was like, uh, okay, whatever. I, I, I don't think it's kind of worth it. So when did you realize that uh, you had been scammed? The next day, I realized that, okay, there's no guarantee that she's going to pay me. I think I keep calling her through the WeChat. Then after she just told me that, oh, uh, my, my best friend got a hospital that kind of thing. I'm like, cannot be so coincident, right? Turns out that the visiting hour is not even open yet. Did you make the police report? No, really. The reason why I didn't really make the police report was because like it was a game and like there's no, I have no proof that she scammed me. The police could say that, oh, who else you spend money on the game? It's not directly to the bank, right? I'm not too sure. There's a lot of unknowns that I'm not confirmed. The game could be rigged. And you made the um, payment through the game itself, not through PayNow. Is that why it was so hard for you to uh, retrieve your money? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's through the game itself. We had to like, I had to purchase a game credit, then send through the roses to her in the game. So what did you learn from this entire uh, episode? I think don't give in to greed and don't be too naive about things, yeah? Especially when it comes to like commitment, money, money commitment, time commitment. Like we, in exchange, we need something. Yeah, basically like you need to make sure that you are doing a safe transaction. And another thing is to always stand on your ground. When, especially when people guilt trip you. It's not fun when people guilt trip you though. When people guilt trip you, it's, it's showing them who they are and not who you are. Yeah, so thanks so much for sharing your experiences, JC. It was definitely, you know, very heartening to know that you've learned from it. And now, Dr. Annabelle Chow and Ms. Lauren Yeo, I understand that you have seen many clients who have been scammed. How many scam victims have each of you seen in the last two years and what were the kind of scams that they fell victim to? Okay, so for my side, uh, I've seen, uh, in terms of the actual numbers, um, uh, uh, shall not review, but uh, basically we see an increasing trend uh, over the years, especially last year since about uh, probably around September onwards. Um, so actually, uh, initially I wasn't paying too much attention to, to this because it, it didn't seem like big enough numbers, but progressively when the children subsequently came in, it's like, how come it's more and more, you know? So it actually caught my attention. Um, and then from their sharing is that normally how they got scammed is actually on, uh, two main modes, lah. One is actually on the e-commerce platforms uh, where they are being enticed to purchase you know, the gaming top-up credits at a discounted price compared to the market rate. And I mean, being children, they have uh, 
they don't have the earning power, you know, whatever that they have are actually probably savings from their allowances. So, of course, they fall scam into it, you know, and then they, they buy. What usually happens is they, after making payment, they don't get the redemption code. The other common one is actually on one of the messaging platforms. Um, it is uh, what almost all youngsters are using now. So they are asked, sometimes asked by friends, they're given a link to join a certain server. And also once they join, because it's recommended by friends, I mean, how, I mean, the trust is there, right? So they, they started off, you know, by making friends and then they start uh, gaming together. Then over time, uh, they start to, you know, throw some freebies, you know, uh, throw some deals. Say, hey, I, I'm, I'm able to get this top up of the, the gaming credits you know, at a discounted price. Are you keen? So uh, because it's friend, so of course they, they went in. And then what happened is after making the payment transaction, uh, whatever redemption code that gave them actually was fake. It was not a genuine uh, redemption code. Um, I also have a scammer who come to see me. They are actually teenagers. Yep. So in one of the cases, right, uh, it was actually shared that how she scammed other people is actually by, you know, going to the stores. You know, you just take this uh, gift card, you turn to the back, you take a picture, you can see the barcode at, at the bottom. So the, you know, they are, it's not scratched yet, but they will post this you know, on the messaging platform and tell them, hey, I have this. Okay, I buy this, but I don't want to use it anymore. So I'm letting it go at a, at a lower price. Um, so as, as expected, made payment, the code was not given. And then deleted the account. Uh, he, normally she would delete the account and then she will, that's it. So this is how it normally happens. Did she say how many people she cheated? For her, she over the scale of about one year, about five. Wow. Yeah. So why was she so affected, you know, by, I guess, her past misdeeds? Did she feel guilt or remorse? After some time, she felt that, yeah, it's, it's just not right. So then she went into a mode of uh, remorse, you know, a bit of self-blaming. You know? And then there's anxiety also. But anyway, she came to see me eventually because uh, she realized that you know, it is something that she shouldn't be doing. And how old was she when she first uh, started to scam these five? Uh, she was 14. And when she came to see you? About uh, 15, going to 15, towards 15 years old. Dr. Annabelle Chow, have you been seeing more people coming to you for help after being scammed? And what kind of symptoms do they display? So actually, in my clinics, um, we don't actually, we didn't actually see any scam victims prior to COVID. You know, I think it's just statistically, they didn't actually turn up. And they only started showing during the COVID period. Um, and I don't know whether that's really attributed to more education, more media coverage and more knowledge. But a very big thing that often presents when they come is a lot of shame and a lot of difficulty to actually carry on functioning in their lives. So when they come to me, generally it's not so much about the scam that they want to talk about, but it's more the impacts of the scam and the consequences of the scam that they want to talk about. So for example, you know, they will be grieving over the loss of if it's a love scam, you know, about how they were cheated out of their feelings, or if it's a money scam, finances, right? But actually, they end up ruminating a lot about it, or they end up grieving, or they have a very deep sense of shame, that they find it difficult to communicate with the people that they love. They find it difficult to share it with their family members, with their best friends, because they don't want to be judged for making, 
you know, in their words, like a mistake like this? How could I, you know, I should know better? Because the population that I do end up seeing for the scam victims, right? They are actually working professionals, high paying jobs, doing very well at their work. And so that degree of judgment they hold, right, is very significant. Um, and that often affects their ability to subsequently function at work because they cannot concentrate, they cannot sleep because they keep ruminating about it. They cannot talk to anybody and the shame just keeps becoming deeper and deeper and then they come for this purpose. And when you rewind and find out what the root is, it's because they were scammed. So what advice do you give them so that they can overcome this shame and get on with life? I think the root advice that I always try to share would be to offer themselves a bit of kindness and compassion. I think that is severely lacking, I feel, you know, especially in our culture. It's a very harsh culture where I notice a lot of my patients, not even just scam victims, automatically very harshly beating themselves up for mistakes that they've made. And that often compounds the suffering that they experience. And also I will often suggest and recommend for them to really start to talk about their experience with their family members, with their friends, people whom they trust. So not just kind of, you know, loosely sharing it with anyone that come by your path, right? But, you know, if you actually have a close relationship with mom or with dad, talking to someone at home and problem solving together, getting a second opinion, being understood and being supported in the process is really important because they can come and see me once a week, once a fortnight, but they still need to return to their natural environment where, you know, for example, one of my victims, she returned to an environment where it was very harsh and parents were criticizing her for her stupidity and blaming her for making such a mistake. And that was often not very helpful. So kind of educating the parents, you know, kind of getting the parents to try to be kinder as well and to see things from her perspective will often be quite helpful in the recovery process. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now, back to my conversation with my co-host Andre Yeo and our three guests, JC, Dr. Annabelle Chow, and Ms. Lauren Yeo. And what can you say that family members uh, can do better if you know, they know that someone in their family has been a victim of a scam? Um, probably three things. One would be listen with curiosity, which means listen non-judgmentally, not really just hearing and, you know, already decided what you want to say to your child and, you know, like, i.e. telling your child off, but really listening with the intent of understanding the other perspective. Two would be understanding, right? You can only understand if you actually ask questions. If you actually really want to know what's happening for the other person, uh, when you've decided what you want to say, there's just no understanding and you're just trying to shove your idea of problem solving and how things should be done, uh, which sometimes may not be really helpful and applicable for the victim. And then lastly, with empathy and kindness, to just kind of also understand that this victim did not want this to happen. Nobody really willing wants to, willingly wants to take out 60000 and throw it away to a stranger. And then it's, you know, not only the money, it's feelings involved. It's a lot of judgment of themselves and they're battling with all these difficulties. So being kind to them and being supportive and providing them a space to talk when they want to talk and, you know, trying not to be judgmental and just focusing on what wrong they did would be very helpful. Can you, uh, you know, tell us about a case where you know, your uh, patient lost a lot of money and how it, it impacted him or her. 
The cases that come into our clinic tend to fall quite differently from the category that Lauren sees. Mine doesn't fall so much in the gaming kind. I think it's also because of population. The ones that usually come to us, one is a love scam kind of situation and often through dating uh, apps. Uh, the other one would be a more financial kind of transaction, losing quite huge sums of money. Uh, sometimes we actually have elderly who come in uh, and the elderly are the one who also end up losing huge sums of money. Um, and then they end up presenting because family gets concerned that my mom has been getting very depressed and she hasn't been able to eat, she's been sleeping. And they are actually able to recognize these signs and symptoms, but they don't know that mom has been scammed because mom doesn't tell them. Um, and maybe I could share, you know, an elderly case um, when it is actually a financial um, kind of scam where uh, she was told that, you know, she, because she's not actually local, um, she was told that, you know, from her home country, this is actually the police. Um, and, you know, I have your details. And for some reason, they actually got some of her personal particulars. Uh, and I want to let you know that uh, you haven't been paying for your home things, like your home bills and all of that. And then, you know, the situation in your home country, I will have to go and, um, what you get, confiscate your house and all that. So you need to give me all these particulars with your passport. And if not, you have to transfer this amount of money to me so that I can go and sort out this, this, this payment. Uh, this elderly woman, she doesn't actually really know what's happening because she's not even involved in this whole process, right? She doesn't actually even know if her house is paid. But because at that moment when the call came in, there was a, an urgency, right? You need to do it now. Otherwise, I will proceed to start, uh, come knocking on your door in your home country and I'll have to bring your family members uh, into custody. So she got worried about that. So she got really stressed. So she's like, okay, yes, I'll do it now. And for her, there was no time to call home and chat because there was an urgency, right? Time urgency. So do it now. So she sent money back. So she sent money to this. Um, and when she showed me, right, it really looked like, you know, if you don't actually study it carefully, it really looked like it came from a legitimate source which is actually quite similar to our local victims who get scammed because sometimes they get scammed from apps or from business organisations per se, air quotes, right, um, that look very similar to the ones that we are actually familiar with. How much money did she transfer in total? 50000 50000 Okay, thank you. So, uh, Miss Lauren, you've seen several uh, scam victims come to you for help. What else do they lose besides money? Right, uh, I think a, a lot of times it's about the trust. Um, trust between friends, trust between parents. Um, in uh, a few, in, in some cases, uh, the parents actually were not even aware that their own children have actually made payment you know, to buy these uh, gaming credits using the savings that they have put into the account for them. No, uh, in, in another case, it's actually the allowance that was transferred into the account. So when when the scam happened, actually the child is actually left with not enough money to to use you know, for, for uh, recess, you know, for lunches. So they end up, they have no choice then to tell the parent. So of course, expectedly, the parents are very angry. They, they will... Ask the child, no, no, why didn't you tell me in the first place? No, I gave you this money in advance because I trusted you. No, so I didn't expect that this thing will happen. So when the trust is broken, um, it takes some time. 
to heal you know, and to gain back that trust with parents. And what advice would you give to parents, especially some of our listeners who may be very concerned about their children after hearing um, what you've just shared? So um, usually when I work with parents, uh, these are the key tips that I share with them so that they can also uh, talk to their children about it. So number one is, do I actually know this person, right? So as parents need to be involved in a conversation, no? so you ask, no, do, you, do you know this person who's trying to sell you no, or trade uh, items with you on the gaming platform? If the answer is yes, uh, then how long have you actually known this person? Is it like uh, just one week ago? No, it's just a gaming acquaintance or it's someone that you know for a long time, right? So uh, I think this timeline does give some sensing how reliable this seller can be. Right. Uh, and also another way, you know, is also, is there another way to identify or get in touch with this seller in the event of being scammed? Right. Do they have a work, work, uh, working number, mobile number, email address, or do you even know where this person stays? Right. Of course, if the answer is yes to all this, right, uh, then it is relatively safer. Lah. If it's no, then let's move on to tip two. You know? Then tip two is, you no. Know, if you're buying from an e-commerce app, you know, how many reviews does this seller actually has, right? So studying reviews can actually be a helpful method uh, to assess how credible, again, the seller is. The higher the number of reviews, higher chance that it is authentic, right? But then again, it is not foolproof. Huh? Uh, we need to also study tip three now. Huh? How often these reviews are being posted, right? Is it over a span of one week or one day you get, wow, 25 reviews that this seller is very good and only just start rating? Or just good, solid, authentic, real, you know. So these are very skeptical, uh, uh, very dubious, right? If the reviews uh, involve uh, more um, more evidence, like uh, they take picture, you know, of them redeeming the credit, you know, in a home environment, uh, more description, I think relatively maybe more real, lah, right? And then uh, uh, one more tip is you now the next question is uh, how cheap is this sale? How far off is it from the market rate? Maybe a few dollars difference makes some sense, but if it's really a lot of difference, may not be so, right? So need to take some caution in this. And then one more is a mode of payment. If scammers request to do bank transfers, you know, or, you know, the fund transfer service that is very popular now, you know, uh, among, among kids, then we need to be a bit more careful because scammers, usually they don't meet you in person to take the money. It's usually through the bank transfer. And if it's to a payment number, there's also some risk. Right? And then the, the last one is when in doubt, always ask. So train, teach our kids, uh, whenever they're in doubt, not so sure, talk to the parents. Right? Um, have a discussion with them. And that's where parents need to teach them. This opportunity to teach them, okay, these are some of the potential red flags you take note of. And then, and then how, what can we do next? So do the transaction probably with them. Now, uh, so after a few times, uh, actually, the children actually learn you know, that this is the way that they can assess uh, whenever they want to be engaged in further transactions. Okay, Dr. Annabelle, how else are scam victims affected by what they have gone through? Oftentimes, uh, I think they will have a lot of self-doubt and their confidence and self-esteem will take a hit. And it becomes very, it becomes generalized actually because it will no longer be very specific to the part where they got scammed. But then I notice that they start to second guess every decision that they make at home and in relationships, you know, when meeting new people or even at a workplace situation. Uh, there's a huge difference between shame and guilt. 
So shame is often defined by like me, you know, I am stupid. I am the problem. How could I make such a stupid mistake, right? And shame is difficult to rectify. And that is the one that is debilitating for the scam victims that I see. Guilt often is something that is rectifiable. Like if I feel guilty for uh, breaking a vase, you know, then I can say sorry and buy a, a vase and return that, right? And that's not so much happening in, in that sense. Like it, it does, but to a lower degree. So it usually happens in a circumstance where if they had borrowed money from another family member or a friend to pay this scam, then that's where the guilt is, where, you know, I'm really sorry I did that I, and I'm going to try to get money back to get, give it back to you. But more often, you'll find that they will also become very depressed because of this constant rumination. And the depression will then affect other areas of their life. They cannot focus. They, the appetite, their sleep gets affected. Um, they will have thoughts of actually ending it all, of suicide. Um, and if they are not around, then they don't have to deal with the consequences of how work is falling apart, relationships are falling apart. Now my parents are angry with me and they're no longer proud of me. You also often notice anxiety and the anxiety can be quite long lasting. Um, and actually all of this, right, they also represent post-traumatic stress kind of presentation. It's actually pretty traumatic for someone who is a, is a scam victim. Oftentimes we think about PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder as Oh, you know, you have to be in some kind of natural disaster or uh, you have to be in some kind of big accident to experience that. But that's not true. Actually, we've got big T's and little T's uh, and relational T's and scams and all of that. It's a traumatic experience in itself. So they can actually have flashbacks of it. They can have nightmares about it. They will avoid certain types of people or places or apps as a result of it. So the symptoms that they present with can sometimes map against a PTSD presentation. So how can people who go through such uh, trauma and such uh, feelings overcome this to function again in life? The first thing is I, I really encourage talking to family as the first part. Um, so the first thing about talking to family is start to rethink your concept of family. Family is not really just blood, right? It can be your best friend. It can be your community of friends and neighbours whom you've always had a good relationship with. Talk to someone. In fact, talk to someone at that point where you're not certain whether you're being scammed or not. Because the more people you talk to, the more information you get, the more brains you pick. And it will help you make a decision that may be different from your automatic impulsive decision if you hadn't spoken to another person. Second thing is, maybe you may need to talk to your employers. And again, it's depending on how understanding your employers are, right? Because at least for the scam victims that I work with, they find it really difficult to talk to their employers. And it becomes a problem because from the employer's perspective, all they can see is your work performance has dipped. You have been late for meetings. It's a work from home situation and you are not contactable. You are not submitting your work. You are always late. You are not contactable. What is happening? And that erodes the trust between employers and employees. But there's something huge happening for you and I think that some kind of understanding needs to be communicated so that the workplace is also equipped or, you know, have a better chance at supporting you uh, by either giving you flexibility of time to go see a psychologist for your sessions or flexibility of time to sort it out or, you know, kind of just a little bit more support in terms of adjusting deadlines as well. 
um, the part where you actually have to go and seek a professional is when your life actually starts to become quite chaotic, right? When you find yourself not really being able to function anywhere in your personal life, you know, in your ability to maintain your personal hygiene, in your ability to maintain relationships with people, you find it hard to get out of bed, hard to talk to people, you only want to be by yourself, um, you're not brushing your teeth and things like that or you have a lot of thoughts of hurting yourself and killing yourself, and that life has no meaning. I think that's a very common one that they tell me. I lost my retirement fund. There's no meaning to live anymore. What's my life going to look like next time? There's a lot of anxiety, right? I worked so hard all my life and I got no money now for retirement. And if I continue to live, I'm going to be a burden to my children. But my children have no idea what's happening with me and for me. So I think a lot of uh, communication and working with professionals will be helpful. Ms. Lauren, what is the psychological impact on children and how do they react differently from adults? Right, okay. So um, for what I can say is for the children that I've seen. Uh, mostly for them, uh, anger, I think it's the first thing that most kids actually feel. They are angry with themselves you know, for being silly, you know, for being greedy, you know, for being stupid, you know, uh, for not being able to see the red flags. They are also angry you know, that they have lost friends as a result. You know. Eventually, they come to a state where they don't know what to do anymore. You know. uh, they are lost and confused. Yep, and uh, certainly, you know, um, in the process of stress, uh, builds up, you know, and when... When the stress level gets too high, it can actually limit a person's functionality, you know, to, to carry on their daily lives. So. Miss Lauren, if a child has been scammed, how would you suggest that they can tell their parents about the experience? Mm. Alright, okay. So, um, firstly, it is actually very difficult for the child. Um, if, they, if it has been easy for them, they would have already gone to their parents uh, way before coming to see me. Right, and they wouldn't have kept the issues in to the extent that they are feeling so anxious you know, that they cannot function. However, because uh, I work with uh, children, teenagers, they're all minors. So uh, before they actually commence the session, uh, it is an uh, understanding that if there are reflex, they have been hurt, uh, harmed uh, in any way, it is my obligation that I will have to breach the confidentiality of the information and inform the parents. So actually, when the, when the kids started sharing this with me, right, they already know that the eventual outcome is I will have to tell the parents. Um, but of course, um, before we let the parents know, a lot of works need to be done uh, with the child first. The main work comes in you know, helping the child to understand, firstly, why this thing happened to the child. You know, why, why did you do this in the first place? Having that clarity and understanding, um, processing the event will actually help them know that, yes, it is a mistake, but it does not define me uh, forever. You know, everyone actually makes mistakes. Unfortunately, this is one that, yes, when the parents know, they'll be very upset. But we also want to build the confidence that after being upset, they will forgive you. They will help you. They will be there for you. You know, so, so after working through with the child, right, actually, I will usually sit in child and parent together, you know, uh, so that I can help cushion you know, the impact from parents. And actually, parents them themselves, like before they send the child in, they already know that something is going on. No, so there's a lot of preparation work with the parents as well. Um, that, okay, so now child is ready to talk to you about it and we are going to do this in a calm manner. I think the main, the main key is being calm, staying calm as parents. 
Okay, so uh, so that's where the conversation will actually flow to. You know, then we, we get a child to share, you know, and then um, parents say their piece, you know, their response, you know, and then we focus on moving forward, right? A mistake done is done, right? The child feels bad, the child knows it's wrong, right? So what else can we do now moving forward? So the, the intervention will focus on you know, really making good, if someone has been indicated, no, make good for it. No, apologize if your friend is also involved. No, um, deleting the account. No, being safe yourself. If the child is still using that uh, messaging platform, still have that account, maybe it's time now. You no, know, to delete it. No, and not be involved anymore. And also learning from mistakes. And that's where um, earlier, as I've mentioned, right, uh, we teach the skills to the parents. No, what to look out for, what the red flags. And then for them to teach the kids as well. So we'll do actually a, a co-session uh, together. And JC, after listening to the tips that Lauren has shared, do you want to share your experience of how you managed to tell your family and friends about what happened to you and what was their reaction like? I told my friends first before I tell my parents. For me, it's like because a lot of my friends, they're quite understanding uh, and they're also quite brutal with what they have to say about this whole situation. The thing is that my friends, I, our rapport is good. Whereas the rapport with my parents is not up to par with my friends. And therefore, it took me a while to tell my parents about it. And actually, how I approach this whole me telling my parents about it is like, I sort of like, I prompt them about small, small issue for see how they react. Then when I give feedback or like how they react, right, then they got better in like in responding to kind of all sort of like small big problem, right? Then I tell them, oh, I got scammed. But I didn't really tell them the reason why. I don't really want to be judged furthermore. <laughs> and I think because of all those small, small things that I have told them, right, then I think they handled pretty well. Like my mom, she even offered me like cash uh, to cope with it. But I told her that I don't really need it because it's really my problem and not really her problem. But I'm quite surprised that she didn't really judge me heavily because I made that mistake, which I'm, I think I consider myself as lucky. Uh. But of course, I, I know a lot of, of my friends or like a lot of teenagers, like they are, it's not easy to tell this such big problem to your parents. Generally, like a lot of Asian parents, they tend to be very harsh on their kids. Like they expect their child to make no such stupid mistake in their life. But actually, like I, I feel like they just need to be educated. Like this is not really their fault. La. It's just the, really the scammer using psychology tricks on them. La. Yeah. Right. Uh, I wanted to add on um, to say that for young children, they may not have the ability to rationalize, no, or to to think things through. And actually, it's because the you no know, the prefrontal cortex in the brain is not fully developed yet. It's very common to find that they will make a lot of uh, silly decisions, you no know, illogical things that parents can understand. Why, well, if you are logical, you will make this mistake. But the thing is, for the kids, they just don't know. You know, in fact, this um, uh, lack of ability to consider will probably carry on all the way until they are in their early 20s. Now, so um, that's where the prefrontal cortex is more fully developed. Uh. So for parents-wise, right, uh, it will be helpful, definitely, if they know what their children are doing. You know, be involved in their life. You know, have regular conversations with them. So because when, when we talk a lot with our, with our kids, we tend to be able to sieve out you know, potential uh, red flags or some challenges that they may be going through. And because of the regular conversations that parent and child have, uh, it is easier also for the children to share with their parents when they are in trouble. When the communication is off, it's going to be very, very difficult. That's why most of the time they turn to friends. But friends are just as young as them. You know, they, they won't be able to give uh, very sound advice. 
I was just reflecting through this conversation that scamming actually can affect the young and all the way to the end of the spectrum of the old, right? And so, I, and I think that it's just primarily because scammers are just becoming more clever and they are starting to emo- uh, emotionally and psychologically manipulate the victims. Um, if we think about the history of scamming, I think it was easier to pick up a scam 10 years ago than it would be today. And anyone can actually fall prey to it, no matter how much we talk about it, prep. I think that it is just, we, we, there's a chance that we might fall prey to it. Um, and Lauren is absolutely right. The, the frontal cortex is not fully developed until you hit 25. And if you think about developmentally, children, at adolescents particularly, they're at the age where they want to get autonomy. They want to start to make decisions on their own. They want to start to try out things. You know, that's the time that they're forming their identity. And of course, they will make mistakes, right? But maybe what would be more precious from the experience is how we react to the mistakes more than it is actually the mistake. And I'm so proud of JC, really, because, you know, you went through something and yes, you lost $2,000. But in the $2,000 that you lost, you now become more careful and more wise in making the decisions moving forward. And see, like for someone else who may not have an experience like that, the impact could be 50000 many years or many decades later, right? And with no awareness and, you know, maybe at that point, very difficult for them to run a graphic design business <laughs> to help recover. So, you know, if we have, if we focus on kind of building healthy relationships with our family members, that allows that platform to talk about difficult conversations and it can really help by just listening. Okay, so I would like to add on that uh, in our current society today, you know, where technology is so advanced and our kids are already exposed to medias, you know, uh, messaging platforms, uh, e-commerce platforms, gaming platforms at a very early age. It is almost impossible to stop them. So perhaps the more helpful approach is to detect early and teach them the skills you know, to identify risks and what to do when they are in trouble. Uh, I would like to add on to that, what Annabelle said and Lauren said. Uh, so I think what parents can do right, as, as a suggestion uh, is to see how the kids do something. Another thing is like family rapport. Like it's important to build a very good relationship with your parents or your family member in general. And then and then when we go back home, our home is with our parents. And I think being able to see them every night and like being have, have the feeling of like being secure and safe, right? Really helps to communicate in very difficult situations like, like the two counselors have said. Lah. Yeah, I'm really glad that uh, despite encountering a scam, you're able to overcome it and to even discover, you know, new strength and resilience as well. Well, that's a wrap for Stop Scams, a new podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Andre Yo, And I'm Jessie Lim. Once again, don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read our Stop Scams articles, there's a link in our podcast text description below. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.